thanks to our title sponsor, National University. National University is committed to supporting veterans, active duty personnel, and military families through flexible online courses and master's and doctoral programs in high-demand fields, providing excellent career advancement opportunity. National University is a yellow ribbon school that proudly accepts the post-9-11 GI Bill and goes the extra mile by offering additional assistance to cover expenses that may not be covered by the GI Bill. To learn more, visit nu.edu forward slash veteran. Hello and welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast. I am your host, Vincent Aiello. Every late December, we pause to reflect on the past year and offer a glimpse of our plans for the coming year. And in 2021, my occasional co-host, as I like to call him, Trevor Boswell, joined me. But this year, we're returning to our roots, welcoming back the gentleman who I credit with starting me in podcasting after having me on his show, The Muscle Car Place. Rob Kibbe, welcome back to the Fighter Pilot Podcast. Thanks, Vincent. I'm glad I got my job back. <laughs> well, you weren't fired. We were just mixing it up. But gosh, can you believe uh, my appearance on your show was about, a, what, a decade or maybe even a dozen years ago at this point? I was curious. So I went and looked it up. It was June of 2011. Wow. The very first one. And at that time, and this is why you called me, not about airplanes. This is about a Camaro, an Impala, and a Mustang. That's right. <laughs> so I know you have one of those. Today. Yeah, well, the Impala is in uh, Arkansas in my uh, late father-in-law's uh, garage, and the Mustang is here in my garage, and it's, uh, yeah, I got it out the other day, so. What did happen to Camaro? Did you just let it go? Oh, my gosh. We tried to restore it, and someone had used styrofoam and Bondo to shape the thing, and it was just so far gone, I had to let it go. Plus, that was happening right as I was going back to flying, right. and I was moving from Southern California up to Fallon. And so, yeah, it ended up being a net zero uh, experience, but I learned a lot. Let's put it that way. <laughs> net zero. Also an internet <laughs> provider gone as well. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, it was one of those things. I have to admit, I have fallen away from the joy of muscle cars a little bit just because I'm so busy with all my other activities. And yeah. dare I confess publicly, Rob, I don't even listen to your show anymore. I'm sorry. What a dirtbag. <laughs> I know. Here, I see. That's why I didn't tell you before I invited you to come back for the end of your wrap up. <laughs> well, if the analytics are a good indicator, they all come back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's very cyclical. I only have a couple that I listen to on release. That's how it is. Yeah. Well, but before we spend, probably since you're on my show most of the time talking about our show, what's new in your world and on your show? And on a personal level, I saw some social media that you've got a child driving, which scares me. I've got two out of three. But anyway, uh, what's new in Rob Kibbe's world? Boy, since we met, I mean, that was a lifetime ago. It feels like you could probably say the same. Yeah. But lately, so I have three different companies that I operate. The podcast enterprise is one of the three. That enterprise continues to go strong and it's kind of sticking with the same format it's always had. Okay. We have two in-house shows. They're both completely sponsored driven. We have a pretty strong Patreon following for one. We do other show production work. Many have come in and out over the years. The other two companies occupy a lot of my time at this point. I continue the podcast business because I enjoy it. I love it. It does really well and I can continue to play in a hobby and play with people that bring me a lot of happiness. You know me well enough. I mean, I'm a Christian. That is my faith. That business is kind of my ministry, if you will. Okay. Everything's going okay. <laughs> when we met, so you met all my kids. All right. Moyne Airport. You put them all in your jet, as I recall. Mm-hmm. 
was fun. <laughs> Two of those three are driving. The third one, I don't know that she'll ever drive. Uh-oh. She is a danger to society. <laughs> <laughs> How old is she? She's 12. <laughs> Dude, she's just a klutz. The ironic thing is she's a wonderful dancer, a ballet dancer. She is only coordinated when performing. Otherwise, she can get injured quickly and easily. She fell down the stairs yesterday <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> well, Rob, I feel like any skill, each of us as humans, only has so much of it. So it's possible that if you're going to count coordination as a skill, that she's using it all up on the ballet floor table. I don't know where ballet happens, stage, but maybe she's used it all up there. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> or maybe it's just not going to happen. I don't know. Oh, I'd like to think that it's in their DNA to be able to drive. My oldest is driving my dad's old car. He had a little Lexus SUV, and that works out well. And a Volkswagen Carmen Ghia that he and I had restored. Right. My son, Dallas, so this year he started racing go-karts. And we always wanted to do some competitive racing. So in Iowa, it's kind of a coincidence, but it's a feeder system for sprint car drivers. Uh There's a lot of dirt track go-kart racing here, but they look like little baby winged sprint cars. So he and I started doing that this year. I learned I had a lot to learn about being a crew chief. (laughs) He had a lot to learn about driving. I started him in a class that was below his age range and power to weight ratio class. I thought I was being safer, but in the end, I should have just let him go with the big motor because he already knew how to drive. As soon as I let him advance to the next class, he won. Oh, wow. So when he actually got his driver's permit to drive, it was certainly not the first time he had ever driven a vehicle, including in my truck. <laughs> okay. I like fun. I'm not a fun hater. So <laughs> we go drive around the church parking lot, you know, from time to time. Sure. <laughs> Even the uncoordinated one has driven a minivan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All good. All good. And I keep up with you and all your programs and your family. Through all the channels everybody does. Uh, I listen when I can. I definitely follow on social media, and I'm proud to consider you a, a lifelong friend. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry I don't get through Iowa as much as I used to, but I think we mentioned it on a previous end of your wrap up. But yes, my last job in the Navy was delivering aircraft from the depot facility at North Island in San Diego to bases all over. And they encouraged us to stop at different airports on the way to refuel. And I stopped into Des Moines and had you all out to the jet, including your dad, as I recall. Yep. And uh, it was a fun time. So it was good meeting all your kids. And I've got pictures of one or more of them wearing my helmet with a yellow visor with big smiles on their faces. So. Yeah, I do too. And I guess that is why this show exists is because this industry, this activity of military aviation, paradoxically, it's about killing and war, but it just brings joy to so many people. And I don't know if it's the power or the sound or the majesty of the flight. And wow, that's what amazing people do. And here we are bringing it down to the common listener. And I'm just a normal person. I think everyone's learned in the last five years who happen to have amazing opportunities and I enjoy sharing them. And I enjoyed sharing them with your kids. And I did as well. There's one more component in there. It's the act of service. Ah, very good. Yes. That's another piece that a lot of people really appreciate and admire no matter what the service happens to be. Mm. But flying fighter just just happens to be a pretty kick-ass service. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree, right? There's different, uh, what do they call it? Love languages, time together and gifts and all these different things. And acts of service, I think, is definitely mine. I agree with you. But, you know, I always feel a little sheepish saying, oh, yeah, you know, I served. Well, 
man, I really got a lot out of it. Flying was so rewarding. The people, the activity itself, it was fun. And I got paid to do it. So I can't sit here and pretend it was altruistic all the time. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> that if you said, well, I just put in my time. and I... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> was it awesome? No, no, it was awesome. It was... <laughs> well, I tell you, we did have most... All the guests I've had on the show have all said the same thing I did. Oh, I went to an air show as a kid and really wanted to do it. But we did have one guest who's like, oh, yeah, I just went to college. And, oh, I found my way into ROTC. And, oh, yeah, I guess I signed up to be a pilot. And, oh, look, I went and flew the F-35. <laughs> and everybody else is like, wow, man, really? Come on. That's like my dream. And a lot of people aren't able to make it happen. So for the most part, it is something I think we all, and he certainly did too, learn to enjoy and love it. But it's just fun to be able to share it on the show. I met a retired FA-18 pilot at a drone conference. We use that in one of our companies for just surveying stuff. And so what'd you do? And he goes, well, I flew FA-18s. And I said, really? Was that your aspiration all your life? And he goes, nah, I was a music major in college. And is that or go be a teacher? So I just joined the Navy. <laughs> uh -oh, listeners are going to get their pitchforks and uh, torches out again. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Didn't even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's always fun to invite you back because I find value in looking back at the year, but I'll confess this, Rob, I almost skipped this year just with the busyness of the holidays and everything else going on. Mm -hmm. But a couple of listeners said, no, no, you have to do this. Not only is it tradition, but it's just fun to get the inside glimpse, as I said at the top, of what happened last year and what's coming next year. So I'll kind of turn this over to you and take the guest seat over here, if I may, because uh, you always do such a good job of that. Sure. Well, I appreciate it. And for those not listening, I take a jovial approach. I laugh a lot at my own jokes. I enjoy the sound of my voice, I guess. <laughs> Here's what I really would like to know. How are you keeping up with all of this? Did you transition to captain this year? Or are you about to? I got lost on that one. I know that that has happened or is happening. It is happening. I was selected earlier this year and I report to Atlanta for training on January 7th of 2023. Two weeks later, I will come out as a captain flying the 757 and the 767 in Los Angeles. So I didn't have to change bases or airplanes. I just moved from the right seat to the left seat. So I'm looking forward to that. And it comes with a nice, healthy pay bump, actually. Great. Are you excited about it? Yes, I would say so. I mean, the pay bump is nice, but it's also the responsibility, which is great. You know, you're responsible for that entire airplane full of 50,000 pounds of fuel or more and 200 people and four or five flight attendants and what happens from gate to gate and everything in between making decisions. And, you know, there's a part of me that was, I enjoyed the idea earlier as a first officer that, okay, well, I'm paying attention. I've got my situational awareness, but ultimately the buck stops with the other guy. And now that buck is going to stop with me. So I'll have to be even more aware, mm -hmm. more knowledgeable than I already hoped I was. And just thinking ahead of the airplane. And at some point, I'm sure it will become routine, but since it's new and I won't say scary, but a little bit unnerving, but also exciting. Yeah. I'm going to do my best. I've been studying ahead and getting ready to go off to training. So we're trying to get all our content lined up for January. So back to your question, right? How do I handle it all? I try to stay very organized. I try to minimize other things. I don't have any Netflix shows that I watch. I keep balanced priorities of all my different activities, whether it's faith-based, like you said earlier, or exercise, which is very important to me, or studying or family time or whatever it is. I'm just somewhat regimented, which probably doesn't surprise you coming from the military. Yeah. We have kept in contact, even though you don't listen to my show right I'm now. I'm sorry. 
Yes, but we have kept in contact and bounced ideas off each other. Uh, you've given me some introductions that I appreciated. I am wondering if you still have the lingering thought about having a successful, at this point, video-based podcast enterprise who also happens to be an airline pilot, or are you considering being an airline captain <laughs> with a very successful podcast video business? <laughs> Yeah. As listeners who have followed me through this journey for a few years, remember from 2020 when COVID struck, I was already a little bit unsettled on the career just because of the commute. I think if I lived closer to Los Angeles airport, which I wouldn't want to live in that area, but if I had to, and no disrespect to anyone who does, or you know, what I'm trying to convince my wife, we just returned from Park City snow skiing for a few days. And I said, look, we could live here. I could be down the hill to the Salt Lake airport, which is also a base for my airline in 40 minutes, that would be great. But it's the commute that hurts the most. And so, yeah, there was a time where I thought, you know, maybe I'll hang it up and just be a podcaster and a podcaster with also video and maybe find my way into being a talking head on news channels or something. I don't know. And so frankly, I vacillated for a while. And then in August, when I really did not expect it, but was selected for captain, I told my wife at that point, I said, look, I'm going to commit to this now and, and just decide that, yes, I'm going to be an airline pilot until 65, or if they raise the limit to 67, I will continue to do this. And I'm not saying I am one that does the other or the other that does the one. I am many things in life, as we all are, mm -hmm. uh, a brother, a son, a father, a husband, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm an airline soon-to-be captain and a podcaster. I think that's a fair answer, and I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You know, this is a business that it can be very financially rewarding. It also just takes a ton of time, as all businesses do. That's just how it works. You truly get out what you put in. That's the hardest part about being in a few different ventures is there's only so much of you to put in. Mm. And sometimes you're unhappy with what you're getting out, not financially, but just the result product. I can tell you from listening and knowing what you have in store for the future, you're doing gangbusters. It really is terrific. You know, the content you're putting out, I love your conversational style. I'm your friend. So I know that when you ask kind of like, when you have kind of disappointed answers, like that's just how you talk. It's not that you're like judging the guy. <laughs> I, I snicker every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not have a background in broadcasting, even though my stepdad did. He had been on some radio shows and uh, done a few things, but I just, I don't know, you know, asked you and others and found my way into it. And so little isms of me come out as the listeners, like, you know, <laughs> and the one thing I, I won't say I hide behind it, but I adopted it because it helps me just be at peace with it is I just say, you know what, this show is going to be three things, authentic, factual, and personable. I'm going to be of my authentic self. Am I striving to improve? Absolutely. But it's my authentic self. And when I mess something up, I'll come back and tell you what the fact is. And I try to connect with people. That's been harder as we've grown, but I try to respond to emails. I try to respond to social media comments and people seem to appreciate that. Who makes up the team? Who all is on it? And maybe also talk about the team that's to come or has added on for the transition of video next year. Yeah. Well, thanks, because I wanted to extend my gratitude to them anyway. The team is a lot of people. Some of them you might have heard on previous end-of-year wrap-ups, but they're still with us if you hear them again. One is Jaime Lopez. He is a musician in Spain who reached out way back at the beginning and said, hey, I noticed you're using royalty-free music. I like your show, and I like to make rock, so let me make you songs. And he's still with us, and most songs that you hear 
on the show, he is responsible for. And he always does real good work. I just tell him, oh, make something like Godsmack or Metallica. And he comes up with the cool songs. So there's him. There's also Yannick Krauss, who is in Australia and said, hey, I love your show, but your website's really boring. Here's a new one. I said, well, that's cool. So he's part of the show. Bernie, you have given me your producer and that has been a goldmine for me. Thank you, Rob, because Bernie McPartland makes the show so much better. He gets the audio correct. He has ideas that I don't have and gives it a touch. And he's always on time or early. He is wonderful. So if I can publicly sing his praises, Bernie McPartland. In fact, I've used him as sort of an, a meme, Rob. I say, oh, we got to find the Bernie of this, yep. <laughs> like social media or merchandise or whatever, because he's just so good. He's a big part of it. I feel bad though, because as you've intimated, right, we're moving to video and we're probably not going to have a role for him in that. So I'm trying to figure out how we might use him in, in another endeavor of mine that if you want to ask about later, we can touch on. But sure. at any rate, there's also Rich Cooper. He's in the United Kingdom and he's a photographer, does awesome photography and lets us use his photos. Then there is Trevor Boswell. He is one of my co-hosts. You're familiar. Ben Todd, he owns a jet fighter themed calzone restaurant in Denver. I jokingly call him my vice president of everything. He uh, helps with a lot of different things. Smart dude, got a lot of different skills. Mike Valencourt helps us design and manage our merchandise stuff. Ken Katz, co-host and former B-52 flight test engineer. Billy Flynn, he's also a co-host on occasion. Matt Arney, callsign Flounder, he is a co-host. And then this past year, we added Taylor Watson, who is our social media helper. And then we've got a few people that are sort of moving off into a different parallel effort. And that's Rob Grady, Scott Morris, Scott Chafian, and Dave Trimble. They have been part of the team and a wonderful addition. And they are sort of peeling off and doing a parallel effort into something we call ACE, the Air Combat Experience. And I don't know if they're going to change the name of it or not. I don't know if we've talked about this before, Rob. The idea was, so when we did the merge, you remember that show? It was mm -hmm. like six series. We basically didn't make a penny. And I think we only spent about 3000 but we should have spent ten because a lot of people didn't charge us for their contributions. And what we learned from that was you can't just build it and they will come. And so the ACE endeavor is like the Disney Plus or the Hulu of air combat. Our idea is to go build something that people can subscribe to, and you might see season one of The Merge, let's say, and maybe every Friday you get a new episode of The Merge. So like Disney Plus, right? You've got all the Star Wars movies, and then every Friday you get a new Mandalorian, or I guess that's over, but what is it now? Alderaan or something like that? So that's what they're working on, and I'll be helping them with that. There's also one more, Baltic Dragon. I can't pronounce his real name. And uh, he's the one we make those uh, digital combat simulator video games with that are very realistic. So I hope that's everyone. I hope I haven't missed anyone. But yeah, we've got an amazing team, or did, I should say. We're kind of paring down into a few basic folks and as the others go off and do that other thing. So we're simplifying a little bit, but those are the people that I'm glad to be able to name on the show because they really do make it happen. I do a lot of work. There's no doubt about it, but I couldn't do it without their support. Well, a team makes it all work. Of all those people, I only know you and Bernie personally, but I know what it's like to have people that you can rely on and count on mm. to do things for you and do them maybe better than you would have thought to do. Bernie is an example that I know well because he'll edit lots of different productions and replace 
little quips that you'll say with a better quip that you used to say. <laughs> and you'll never even know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until you go back and get it. And I'm sure your entire team has value that they do like that. One of your shows that I listened to, I'll just say it now, it could have used better audio production, but I loved was the F-14 Tomcast. I listened to every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> yes. That was the idea I had at one point because everybody loves the F-14, right? And so I knew Bio, obviously, and knew Crunch. And I said, hey, you guys, what if we did a podcast that don't be fearful of doing it for perpetuity? Let's just call it a year, right? And so it just so worked out that every 14 days is, you know, F-14, 14 days, Tuesday, Tomcat, whatever. So we came up with a bunch of ideas and I just told them, I don't think it's going to matter if it's, I don't know, Joe Rogan quality or whatever the standard is. I think the two of you and your guests are going to make this a winning idea. So back to my, if you build it, they will come fallacy, as I surmised. Well, that turned out to not be the case with the Tomcast. We went into that where I was fronting the cost for the microphones and the different things. And I told them, I said, hey, after about a dozen episodes, let's have a little like NPR pledge drive kind of thing. And if people like it, and hopefully they'll help us because you're your own business unit. Mm -hmm. And so the first time we did that, we basically got caught up to even because there was production costs and microphones and all that. And then we did it again around episode 21 in the spring. And boy, it was a huge hit. And so I had already had an agreement in place with them. I said, hey, you know, if we end up with a little surplus when it's all said and done, I'll divide it this way. And so they didn't do it for the money, but they enjoyed reconnecting, it sounds like, with everybody. And they got a little stipend or honorarium from me or from BVR, I should say, uh, Productions afterwards. And it's funny because everyone on that last episode, you know, no, with a bunch of O's, like they didn't want it to end. And so... I am casually exploring a couple other people to maybe do a second season, but that is no promise. Uh, Bio and Crunch enjoyed it very much and both said, I'm kind of glad to have the monkey off my back. And I can understand, back to your question earlier, it is busy podcasting. I would say that one of the values that it has is that it had a known ending. You knew it was coming that maybe that's why you treasured it so much more. Yeah, maybe so. I hate to say it. I can't recall the name of the guest, but he was an F-14 demo pilot. I think was it Shorn was one of the demo guys. And then I forget the other one as well. Yeah. He had a phrase that he used that he would signal to his Rio that he was about to pull and he'd say, hang on, Uncle Jesse. <laughs> and for those listening that think that's a reference to Full House, it's not. That's the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> As soon as he said, hang on, Uncle Jesse, I laughed out loud like, yes, I love this guy. <laughs> well, you are a Dukes of Hazard aficionado. Oh, yeah. You bet your butt I am. <laughs> we got a whole podcast about that. <laughs> you indicated maybe another show for next year. I don't know if that would be an audio show. And I only say that because you mentioned Bernie. But is that what you're referring to right here? No, but we can get into it. So I'll be perfectly honest with you, uh, Rob. I love to fly fish. And I also love to keep as much money as I can. Mm -hmm. So I thought, if I'm going to spend money doing something I enjoy doing anyway, how can I write it off? And so I had this idea, well, I already have microphones, I have a platform, I have an audience. What if I started a fly fishing podcast? And every time I go fishing with my brother Kai or my buddy Grant, who's been on the Fighter Pilot podcast, but also likes to fly fish, I could, you know, write it off. And who cares if nobody listens? <laughs> And so at some point, I started fleshing this out in my mind, and then I realized, well, hold on. 
the last time I saw my brother Rocky was fly fishing. And so what if we somehow made it a tribute or a quest? And so as soon as that idea came into my mind, Rob, it was like the floodgates opened. I thought, wait, yes. It's like, I don't believe in reincarnation, but what if the show was about going to find Rocky in this next river or his spirit there kind of thing? Because I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go fly fishing, but to me, it can be very spiritual. It just where all the wildlife and everything. And so I thought, well, what if I use this to go like look for healing for him and all that? And if listeners are unaware, uh, I lost my brother Rocky in June of 21. So what began as an idea to frankly keep more money out of the government's pockets in mine, I thought, well, wait a minute, if I'm going to do this for him, it's actually going to have to be a quality production. I'll try to honor my brother and just make it any old, <laughs> you know, just, oh, here's me on the river and oh, look, I caught a fish. So it's a little bit on hold right now, just with my captain training coming up and a few other things. But we have gone on a few trips. I took microphones out and just set them up on the boat while we fished and talked and hung out. I'm just trying to figure out the angle on how we're going to structure it because it would be unlike any other show. And I mentioned all this to Bernie more succinctly than I am now. And he said, I love the idea. I'd love to help and just let me know what I can do. And so the ball's in my court. Just waiting to circle back to the few episodes I have, well, I should say the few instances where I went and recorded Mm -hmm. and how to turn those into a show that will honor my brother's memory, but also be fun and something that people might actually want to listen to. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can craft it for something Rocky would want to listen to. That's all possible. Yeah. Having met him, I can tell you he was fun. Very fun. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) I think that's a wonderful idea. There's something you can do in audio storytelling that is unique. As we talk from day one, it is not the mass gathering of people that video can bring. Mm -hmm. Video can just get you more attention. It's more eyeballs. It's more listener. It's more everything. Mm -hmm. An audio personal podcast like that, I I think that would be awesome. I totally do. Well, thank you. We have a title in mind. We have, like I said, a few episodes theoretically recorded. It needs a lot of work. It's all just raw recordings right now, but I don't know. I'm not making any promises on when that will come out. So I've got to get through my training. And after, of course, I go to Atlanta, then you're in with a training captain uh, for a few flights. So, you know, maybe in the spring, I'll circle back when I'm settled into my new gig. And But we also have a big change coming on the Fighter Pilot podcast. I want to get that settled as well. Well, let's talk about that transition. By the way, when I was looking up your first interview, the picture I posted, I had two. One was you and the jet looking out the right side, like waving. And then the other was you, Rocky, and your boys in that Impala. Ah, uh, yes. That's a good picture. <laughs> yep. Tell me about next year. What are you planning to do? Then I want to come back and kind of get through highs and lows, favorite episodes. Stuff yeah, like sure. That. What's the transition to video? So I always knew that if you did like a SWOT analysis, right, your uh, strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats, that a big opportunity was YouTube. It is just huge. Mm -hmm. And at the time, we were simply taking our episodes, putting them to the artwork that Yannick came up with, and just putting a little active soundbar type of thing so you could see some activity. But that was it. In the spring of this past year, a local videographer reached out and he said, hey, love what you're doing, and here's what I do, and I think you should do more video. And so it was serendipitous, but it happened right around Top Gun Maverick. And so I said, hey, hold that thought. Let's talk in June or July, but I've got to get through this movie, which was big. And we can talk about that if you'd like. 
So over the summer, we started exploring options. And then in the fall, I found a studio and we've sat down and recorded a few interviews in studio together, uh, Joe Rogan style. We are going to more of a format like that, which will have cameras on both of us and then on each of us. And then, of course, in post-production, we can add B-roll of airplanes flying or missile parts or whatever it is we're talking about. It's a pivot to video. And as I said on episode 154, if we were starting from scratch, I would tell people we're starting a YouTube channel because that is effectively what we're doing is everything that's going to go on YouTube will still have an audio-only equivalent, but it will be very video-centric. So I'm looking forward to it, but it's a little scary too, frankly. I think it'll be great. I mean, that's the way the world works now. I would say the exact same answer. If I were starting over today or starting new today, that's where you should start. Unless you are just terrified of being on camera, that's where you should start. There's several YouTubers that I follow from a business perspective that release a different version of the show on audio that I enjoy. So if I want to see what they're telling me, I'll watch the video. But if I want to listen, if I'm traveling or something like that, I'll listen to it. Any way you can get it is good. But you are 100% right. The scope and capability and opportunity on YouTube is, or any video platform is just enormous. The Dan Patrick Show is one of my favorite national sports radio shows. It's on TV. Same deal. Joe Rogan's the gold example of podcasting. I think you could beat him, by the way. No problem. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> it may take a lot of podcasts, but you could beat him. He's got a slight head start on this. <laughs> I think people like his sensational guests. I think there's more of an audience for that, should I say, than there is for air combat related content. I hope I'm wrong, but yeah. Thank you, Rob. Challenge accepted. Once you get the fly fishing one down, I mean, it's basically anything you want at that point. I mean, you could do a show on baking. Right. No problem. <laughs> Go get the masses. You could take them out. Where's the studio? I've thought about doing something similar. And my biggest challenge, Vincent, is I have very rarely been in the same state as my guests. Yeah. They're all over the country and sometimes the world. How are you doing it? Well, I will say if there's anything that I wake up in the morning fretting about, it's that. Because whereas in the past, I could be sitting here as I am with you at my desk with other people making noises in the house that hopefully Bernie can work his magic on. But it doesn't matter what I look like, right? It just matters what I sound like. And I can make a phone call through the internet and we can record. Now, and by the way, talk about when you first start podcasting, getting used to your own voice. Now I have to get used to my looks too, which <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, but yeah, that's true. But it's not easy. I have to find guests that are either local or willing to fly in. And then we have to meet them. And I can't just turn on the equipment myself. I have to have the help of our videographer, Kevin Harold. It's not going to be easy. And another thing is I Googled best time to release a YouTube video and it said Friday afternoon. So I thought, well, I can't do every 10 days like I used to. I don't want to do every two weeks because YouTube doesn't reward you for that. So, okay, slap the table. We're going every Friday. That scares me a little bit too, because that's a lot of content. That's an enormous amount of content. I know very few people in the automotive media space that aren't on video and all that are, that's all they do. Yeah. That is 100% their full-time profession. They are content creators and producers. Most of them end up on a TV show, but it's full-time gig. <laughs> but you have systems and they don't have the advantage of having come from the military and understand how to put systems in place and people and things like that. Tell me about your favorite shows of 2022. 
Before I do, I realize I didn't answer one of your questions. So I am in Coronado, San Diego, oh, yeah. and the studio is out at Gillespie Field in El Cajon. So it's about a 25-minute drive, but it is in an FBO. That is a fixed base of operations. That's one of the hangars you might see at a smaller airport where you can stop and get gas. Mm -hmm. The owner of that is a gentleman I've befriended through various connections of the show. And I happened to notice that he had remodeled everything and had an open office. And I said, hey, I'm looking at doing this. What do you say? And so we worked out a deal and I had to get a bunch of furniture and sound panels and microphones and curtains and various things. But yeah, it's on the other side of San Diego. Wait, so could people literally fly in to be on your show? Yeah. That was one of the ideas is you could pull right up to the hangar, jump out. They'll refuel you while you come into the studio and <laughs> we'll chat. So <laughs> the very first episode is with that gentleman. His name is uh, D. Conger. His call sign is Bones. The first episode that'll drop in January, uh, I think it's on the 6th, the Friday, is uh, with him. And he talks about how he came across that FBO and the different things he's doing there, which is really cool, Rob, because he's got a fleet of F5s. He's like, he's got his own Air Force. You'll hear all about that on that first episode. I look forward to it. Does that mean people can still have cocktails if they're flying in? They can't fly out immediately if they're <laughs> a couple of... <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. All right. So you're asking about 22, huh? Yeah. Tough to say. I mean, right? I think one time you asked me this and I deferred saying, oh, it's like asking which is my favorite kid because they're all different. How about this? What do you think the listeners' favorite episodes were? Gosh, I probably should have had the list up in front of me to remember what we talked about this year because we did so many different things. I'll tell you, if I may uh, pull a politician on you while I'm looking for the list and not answer your question, but talk about something else I want to talk about. This fall, we had a series that was supposed to be six episodes. It, it turned out to be eight. And I think there's still a bonus ninth that we have to figure out when we're releasing. It was great, but it was run by someone else and it was sponsored, which was, I think, okay. But people, I don't know if that bothered them or not. But what I was not ready for, Rob, was on social media, people said, what happened to Jell-O? <laughs> like, we missed Jell-O. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that I would do that again without either being involved or maybe spreading it out a little bit. So as, I don't want to say uncomfortable as it makes me, I really hoped this show would be about the content and not about me. And to be fair, you warned me about this a long time ago. You said, yeah, it's about air combat, but it's really about you. I definitely learned that this fall. That's both comforting, but it's also a little scary because then what happens someday when, uh, right, it's time to move on. Yeah. So. What, what do you do like when Johnny Carson retires? Mm -hmm. Can happen, but it's a big adjustment. Yeah. And it's not guaranteed to make it without you. But I can tell you what I'm thinking. I don't know if this was a big deal for your listeners, but the release of Top Gun Maverick this year. Yeah. It could have come out a year ago or two years ago, but it didn't right. came out this year. Dude, you were just primed in peak form for that to just happen at the right time. I thought the content you guys did just around the movie was super cool. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. When they did the red carpet premiere out in San Diego, I just happened to have it on YouTube. I saw this happening. So I texted you. I said, Vincent, there's F-18s flying by. And you texted right back and said, oh, I know. I'm looking at them. <laughs> I heard them go by. I'm close enough to the USS Midway that I heard them go by and then saw it on the YouTube. And so, yeah, back to your question. I think that is probably the fan favorite was the making of Top Gun Maverick with Brian Ferguson, Ferg, who was one of the Navy's advisors to Paramount. He had told me all along, he says, Jello, I'll come on the show as soon as I'm allowed and we'll talk about it. So I had him on and then I had Kevin LaRosa on, who was the aerial coordinator. 
And mm-hmm. the uh, listeners hate and love my analogies all at once. Two of my boys, my youngers, both like to surf. And so I said, you know, it's like knowing there's this big, amazing wave coming. And we have weeks and months to get our boards ready and our wetsuits clean and get out there and get in lineup before it comes. And while they did some head fakes, as you said, over a couple of years, when they did finally release Top Gun Maverick, we were ready. We had a big month leading into it. Mm-hmm. We had a premiere at a local theater that we turned into a studio and recorded reactions right after the gentleman watched it. Yeah, that was a really good time. And it was huge for our podcast. So it definitely brought up our numbers, at least for a spell. And it was just great, I think, for movie lovers and military aviation lovers because it was a hit. Well, when I saw your coverage of it, especially the video that I think I even asked you, I said, who is putting this video together? It's terrific. It's obvious you're good on camera. Ah. It's just clear. You can do this and do it really well. It was not a shock to me that you're going to a video format. Why not? (laughs) Well, thank you, Rob. See, this is why I invite you on the show. (laughs) I really enjoyed your coverage. Knowing you, I enjoy knowing how these things are really done. I can put all that away and enjoy a movie that's just a movie. What was the phrase that was used over and over? It's not a documentary. It's a movie. But I enjoyed all that. And I was assuming this is going to be a great introduction for the mass public who maybe wouldn't follow military aviation because they enjoy that component. It's just a great draw. So I was curious how much that brought you. Why do you think that for the mass public, just in general, why was this movie such an enormous hit? Vincent, I saw it five times in the theater. (laughs) I haven't seen a movie five times. Yeah. I don't know when I've seen a movie five times in the theater. I have my answer, but I'm curious on yours. And I hope I can do it without being too long-winded as I'm sometimes prone to doing. First off, the first Top Gun was a hit. And admittedly, when you watch it in 2020, you know, through social lenses, there's some issues with the way we were in the 80s and the way we treated each other and all that. But it was a hit back then because it was sexy and it was fast and loud and it was a love story and it was adventure and all these different things. I think, again, right, part of the theory I had going into this podcasting is for some reason, people just love military aviation. Those who do it, clearly, and those who don't, they go to air shows and brave the traffic. They watch movies. They'll watch the news when, like, Scott O'Grady got shot down, and is he going to get rescued, and how's that going to go? And I think it's just a larger-than-life activity most people don't ever think they could do. I remember, and I know it's fresh on my mind because I'm writing uh, my memoirs, which we can talk about a little bit if you'd like, but I was writing the part about when my stepdad, Jim, sat me down one day and said, what do you want to do with your life? I was a sophomore in high school. He sort of fleshed out of me this discussion of, well, yeah, I love aviation, but I don't know. That's Other people do that. He says, why couldn't you do it? I think you know the rest of the story, but mm-hmm. I just think there's just a love affair with military aviation, strangely. But then the second thing is, when it finally came out in 2022, people needed something to feel good about that wasn't somehow a, you're a bad person, you know, let me show you on a movie why we should feel ashamed of this, that, or the other thing. Look, don't get me wrong. I know we have problems as a species. I know we have problems with the environment and the way we treat each other and all these different things. But this movie didn't really make me feel bad about that for a second. And that's a good thing, right? So I can just enjoy the majesty of flight, the men and women who do it. And the best part was there was this reconnecting of right Maverick and Iceman, the two former adversaries who uh, have a, their moment at the end of that movie, 
But of course, in real life, we all know that Val Kilmer is suffering through some health issues and Tom Cruise seems to be on formaldehyde. So you got this <laughs> paradoxical built into the story, but reflecting real life. And just the reconnecting of those two, I think was powerful. And fans responded to that because here it is 30 plus years later, the two guys that you follow through that movie that you so enjoyed now are embracing. You've got a new generation that have this important mission. And of course they go out and win the day. So I think for two hours or however long it was, took you out of your normal life. You could go watch a movie that you could just enjoy and not walk out feeling bad about things that you do or don't do or recycling or whatever. And then you just enjoy it. I mean, I, gosh, it's funny that we have to be reminded that it's okay to just for once have something to feel good about. All the same answers. I like the production quality of it from listening to your show and understanding how a lot of those shots were captured. I was looking forward to just seeing like, how did they do this? This is just amazing, mm -hmm. but it's good storytelling. It wasn't woke. It wasn't preachy. There was never a time when they're, you're saying, all right, here's this person's two moms or here's this person, two dads. We don't need to know anything about that person. All we need to know is they're good at what they do and they're part of the story. It just never came up. There's good and there's evil and we're the good guys and the good guys win. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And you do so by being brave and true and honest and all of those things that at least here in the States, you know, we still want to believe that yeah. about our country that we're the good guys. But it's also just a kick-ass movie. It's well-made. You know, they did the fan service by finding a way to get a Tomcat in there. Oh, yeah. And listening to how the CGI was done to make a Tomcat was, you know, which everybody knew was clearly they did. But how did they do that? That was fun to listen to. A cohort of yours who also has a YouTube channel. Ward Carroll, Mooch? Yeah, Ward Carroll. I've enjoyed several of his videos, and he had several on the CGI and the making of that and to the point where he said, well, Maverick should have used flaps when he took off, and here's why. <laughs> Funny things like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can definitely pick the movie apart, and we did take a few stabs on that evening when we responded to it. But as you said, and we definitely said on the show, it's a movie. It's not documentary. And we did, by the way, have an episode later on a documentary that someone made about a couple F-14 pilots that went through training towards the end of the F-14's career. But it's just entertainment. And yeah, mm. to your point, right, on the good guy side, there was male, female, white, black, Hispanic. None of that came up in the show. And that's as it should be, in my opinion. Because it's not important. Well, what can you do? Can you do the job or can you not? Yeah, it is that simple. Are you a human being on my side? Great. Let's yeah, do this. Right. Let's go. <laughs> now, to be fair, right, life's not that simple. Some people do have hangups on different things. And we have to work through all that. But again, for two hours and 12 minutes, we didn't have to think about it. Not at all. So from a business perspective, did you see a bump? Oh, big time. Yeah. June was our, I think, biggest month of downloads, over 300,000 downloads across all our episodes. We had more people sign up on Patreon, which is great. We had far more views on our YouTube video of that than we have on anything else. 2.7 million last I checked. I think it helped that we approached it from, look, we're a couple Top Gun or a few Top Gun instructors that used to do this and uh, be at the school. Here's what we liked and didn't, and here's what's real and not. And invariably, Rob, as you know, right, on YouTube, there are certain people that just can't help themselves. Oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about, or that guy didn't pull 11 Gs, or blah, blah, blah. Some people are like, why are you even doing this? I usually take the time politely to say, you know, not everybody, but some people who enjoy this topic want to know more, want to go deeper. Not everybody, 
And so for those who do, it's available. For those who don't, just like food at a buffet, pass it by. You don't have to eat everything that's put out. You don't have to question if Maverick actually died in the first few minutes when the plane exploded. Oh, yeah. And the whole thing was a dream sequence. Maybe it was. <laughs> who cares? It... <laughs> that's the only other theory I saw that I, yeah. I actually really liked. Yeah. So he died in the beginning and the rest of it was his, uh, he was a... Well, and I do get a handful of questions still about the movie. Like, can you eject at Mach 10? I say, no, <laughs> period. But maybe there was a capsule that they didn't bother to explain. So, From a business perspective, Patreon is a major component. You've had different advertisement sponsorship venues. Tell me the finance of it. What do you like doing better? Do you like working with patrons more? Do you like working with the corporate side? Do they both have their challenges? What's best for you? I don't know that I can make a best because I don't really think of them as at odds with each other. It's great when people come along and want to reach our audience through the show. I still take the liberty, since it's my show, to decide what I will have people hear or not. So we stick with things that are you know, related to our core audience or uh, military aviation. I've always said I'm not going to pitch some latest credit card or something else. Patreon is a different animal because it's more like a group of people just sitting around in the ready room, which I miss dearly, where we can talk and laugh about things. We have early access, we have insider information, we have bonus content, and we have all these different things. And so Patreon is just fun. And something I've started doing just in the last couple months, Rob, I don't even remember where I got the idea, was office hours. I'll jump on Patreon and say, hey, I've got the next hour free. Here's a Zoom link. If you're not busy, you know, jump on and we'll just talk about everything and anything. Hmm. And in the middle of a weekday, you know, eight or 10 people will show up and I think, wait, get back to work. <laughs> but, you know, of course, there's people at different time zones all over and some folks can still dial in. So we'll talk about, you know, the B21, whatever it was called, revealing or whatever else is happening, the uh, that tragic accident down in Texas or oh. whatever. So we'll just get people on and, and chat. You know, the thing is, though, people look at me as if I'm the authority. And while I appreciate that, and I definitely had experiences, I'm not necessarily deeply connected with things, right? So it's not like I have inside information on the Dallas tragedy or the B-21. People are like, oh, you're going to do an episode? Like, what am I going to say? I watched the same thing everybody else did. I don't have any friends in the uh, inside to give me any salacious information. And I have to admit, I sometimes scoff at different shows like, oh, deep intel on this, that, or the other. Like, oh, well, I mean, if you've got the connections, good on you, but I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you also like to tell the truth, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we did talk about that at the beginning, so yes. What are your memoirs? I think you just mentioned I'm writing my memoir. I did, yeah. So at some point, I decided maybe this would be worth telling. I have, as you know, a rather significant part of my overall story that I've not yet shared on the Fighter Pilot Podcast. I had to do with a medical setback that I recovered from and flew again. So I have decided that I would like to tell that story because I hope it will offer encouragement to others who are facing adversity. And in my case, I not only had to do that at the end of my career, I had to do it at the beginning. I was identified and flagged for an issue that I was told, and I wish I'd kept the letter, but I don't. But I remember holding a letter in my hand that said, Dear Midshipman Aiello, uh, upon reviewing your medical records, this particular condition is disqualifying. They didn't just mean aviation, Rob. They meant service in the Navy. Wow. I was devastated. I mean, I had just finally made my way in as a junior in college. Halfway through my career, I had to do a catch-up program for the ROTC to do those final two years. 
and I'm a junior, and here I get this letter like, sorry, your dreams are dashed. Not only can you not fly, but you can't serve. Again, uh, people know the rest of the story, but I think it's the details that I hope will be encouraging to people. But also, I mean, as much as I don't know what to think about the fact that I'm sort of a two-bit celebrity or at least have an audience, um, people want to know more about me. And so I've decided to start writing these. And if it's good enough in some people's opinion to publish, then we'll look to put it in book form. It's going to take a little while because I'm not hitting my thousand words a day goal that my writing friend, Kevin Miller, has suggested. But I write when it strikes me. Mm. And of course, it's information I already know. It's not like I have to do a lot of research. I just have to pull it out of my brain and get it into words that hopefully people will enjoy reading. Have you met anyone else that also served that had a similar set of setbacks? Or just a biggest chunk, maybe they weren't health, but that was going to keep them away from flying or serving? Well, one of the authors that I have reached out to, because I have a lot that come on the show, and one recommended a book, I don't remember the title, but it was a gentleman who I think recovered from cancer and was able to fly again. I have not read that or reached out to that person, but there's a lot of people that have to overcome various obstacles to get into the seat of a fighter, Mm -hmm. and it's not easy to do, and not everybody makes it. Yeah, that's probably a good place to end because that's probably why people are so enamored. Because they know not everybody makes it. I mean, of the millions that would like it, thousands try it and a handful make it. Yeah. It's lower percentage than being a starter in the NFL. Uh, That's (laughs) probably probably true. Yeah. I haven't done the math on that, but let's assume that's true. I think that is part of it is it's so not elusive, but it's very rare. I hear all the time, Rob, from young people that hope to do it. And now that the show is ending its fifth year. I've got some that I've basically been encouraging through either college and or flight school. And one of those young men uh, just reached out recently and said, Hey, I just finally finished flight school. And I'm, I think going to end up going to fly the P8 Poseidon. And I really hope to fly fighters. And I had this opportunity to, uh, what did he call it? Anyway, he could basically make his case that he really wanted to fly fighters, but that might highlight him. And he was asking me what he thought he should do. And I said, you know, it's so hard to know. What is your path? I mean, Rob, you talked about being a Christian before, right? If you're religious, get on your knees and figure out what your path is before God, because he knows and we don't. And if you're not, well, then how do you sleep at night? Do you want to give it everything and go burn bridges if necessary to get it? Or do you want to say, this is what is before me, and so I will blossom where I'm planted here? And in the end, I forget what he said he did. I think he's sticking with the P8, ultimately. It's one of those things that, like you said, right? Many are called, but the chosen are few. It is, for that reason, I think, very fascinating to a lot of people. As you've shared, I mean, you could do absolutely everything right. Get all the way there. And then at the time, the the branch of service just doesn't need any fighter pilots that day. That's right. There's some that's in your control and there's a lot that isn't. That's right. And I tell you, the more I've been writing my story and the more I talk to or receive correspondences from people out there who wanted to do it but didn't make it or didn't have the eyes or something else, I am reminded repeatedly how blessed I was. I think it kicks ass when this idea was formed in your head 10 years ago or whenever it was. I'm glad to be a a tiny little (laughs) piece of gasoline on that flame. Clearly, the results are here. I can't wait to see what you bring next year. I will buy your book. (laughs) I'll give you a copy. Don't worry. I won't be doing it to make money, but I mean, there's no possible way to even, (laughs) you know, the time I'll spend, uh, it won't be minimum wage by the time it pencils out. But 
No, Rob, you certainly have been a huge inspiration. And I think on a previous end of your wrap-up, I said it was your idea. You say it was my idea to have this show. Regardless, we have this show. It's served a lot of people. It's been a lot of fun. It's made little money. And so it's been, I think, a blessing, but also a way, as you correctly identified earlier, to continue to serve because we can share this information. We can get guests on or now in the studio who have amazing stories that will hopefully educate and entertain people. For that, I will continue to keep at it. I hope you do until there's a reason not to. And hopefully that reason isn't because you got shot fly fishing. <laughs> Attacked by a bear. Attacked uh, by a bear. It's uh, a delicious uh, treat for. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I mean, we've got one kid left in the house. Of course, the other two come and visit over the holidays, like they do now. You know, we're two years from being empty nesters, which is kind of scary. So, who knows what the future holds? But it occurred to me I at least need to keep the show going until my book comes out, so I can shamelessly <laughs> plug it on my own show, kind of thing. So. There's no sin in that. I mean, that <laughs> it kind of works that way. <laughs> that's right. So probably at least two more years, because I think that's how long it's going to take me to write this thing and, and get it published. Now, before we go, Rob, there's a couple other people on my little list here that I want to thank. Obviously, you are a big one. You've continued to listen. And we, I've already confessed that I have not continued to listen to yours. So thank you. And <laughs> please accept my uh, apologies. I definitely want to thank all the Patreon supporters and the group of Patreon supporters It ebbs and flows because of the other series we did. I didn't really have a chance to pitch it as much on episodes like I normally do. So we've had more people leaving than coming right now, but it's just the season. So that's fine. But I did look at the numbers before you and I jumped on a call and I've got a handful of people who have been with me a long time and who have really, frankly, kept the lights on and more here at the show. And I just want to name them in uh, descending order. It's Peter Keelan, Robert Douglas Miller, Sandra Newman, George Bravo, Gordon Bradbury, Mike Turner, Matthew Brahms, David Marquard, Kit Sam, and Matt Sothorn. Those are the top 10 among hundreds, who I wish I could name them all, who have been huge supporters of the show, not only financially, but they'll schedule the uh, little 30-minute monthly perks that we have, or they'll answer little questions I might post on Patreon, like, hey, thinking about this, what do you think? Or here's the first video, what should we do different? Oh, okay, yeah, fix the colors, get the, you know more exciting background, whatever. Patreon has really been great, and it just helps keep a monthly buffer where we don't have to worry about working like let's say zero and hope that we get a corporate sponsor back to your question on that but it always provides a few thousand dollars frankly that allow us to have good months and bad months and we don't have to worry about did we spend too much or not make enough because of our patreon supporters and that's again a huge blessing i use patreon as well i think i followed you in your fed steps on that one our kibian friend show is a dude's podcast that reviews the dukes of hazard and pop culture automotive stuff <laughs> it is by far the most popular thing i've ever done wow easily maybe by many factors and we have a patreon component to that i have found like you have found there are good people with big hearts and a lot of them there are fans and they just want to know more about you but sometimes they're just good people every december we raise through that a few thousand bucks for toys for tots this year we did three thousand bucks just with people just saying, here's a little extra cash, give it to the kids. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing, Vincent. I hope that it has brought you the joy that it's brought a lot of others. And whenever you're ready to be done is the right time. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, 
thank you again, Rob, for uh, entertaining all of us coming on here and uh, asking me these questions that I hope people will find value in. And frankly, if they don't, well, of course, they can hit the stop button. But it's good to look back at the past year. And it's always fun to talk about what's coming. I've learned to try not to make too many promises as far as what we're working on. But yeah, the big pivot to video for 2023 is coming soon. I hope people will enjoy it. There's one quick thing I'll I'll mention about it before we wrap up. It's going to change the format of each show a little bit. As you know, right now when you come on, right, what do I do? Oh, hey, how's everybody doing? I'm great. Just went skiing with my family and uh, got a kid off to college and, you know, the dog, uh, whatever. And then we answer listener questions. The video episodes and the audio components are going to be a bit more sterile. So it's going to be, hey, welcome to such and such studios. Today I'm sitting down with so-and-so and and we're going to talk about such and such. I think it might be a little less personable, although it'll still be me and my isms. So I'm trying to figure out if maybe once a month I should still just jump on and do an episode on listener questions and errata from the various things we might have said wrong over the past month. So I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out, but people seem to enjoy the show so uh, and enjoy me. So I have to find a way to give them me. You do. But the video thing will get you on CNN. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. My ego is not big enough that I really am excited about that. It's a little scary, frankly. So, but yeah, anyway. you may not. Well, Rob, again, thank you. And I want to thank my wife and family who have supported me through this journey. We are wrapping up five years of the Fighter Pilot Podcast, and it's continuing into video. Lastly, I want to thank all the listeners and soon-to-be viewers who have kept this show going because, right, there's no point shouting in the uh, desert if no one's around Mm -hmm. to hear you. So uh, the listeners have responded. They enjoy it. It's not always a home run, but we try to get base hits every episode, and it sounds like we're doing that. So. Thank you to them. And Rob, if you'd like the last word, you can take us out. I'll just say uh, thank you to you, Vincent, for the chance to talk and catch up. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks to our title sponsor, National University. National University is committed to supporting veterans, active duty personnel, and military families through flexible online courses and master's and doctoral programs in high-demand fields, providing excellent career advancement opportunity. National University is a yellow ribbon school that proudly accepts the post-9-11 GI Bill and goes the extra mile by offering additional assistance to cover expenses that may not be covered by the GI Bill. To learn more, visit nu.edu forward slash veteran.